0: Welcome to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. We are recording this episode on Friday, December 10th, and it will begin airing on Sunday, December 12th, 2021. My name is Reese Robinson, and I'm on air today with my two best in the world co-hosts, Jasmine and Emily. How's it going, ladies?
1: Hello. Recording together again. Uh, I know it's all good yeah yeah
2: I was gonna say thank you for that introduction I'm doing better now (laughs) knowing we're the best (laughs) co-hosts in the world
0: exactly you guys are I just wanted to show y'all some love and thank you to all our listeners for listening to the show just sharing love Mm. this morning
1: good vibes
0: we need them absolutely so how's the weather in Spain right now Emily what's going on over there
1: yeah. So, uh, they use Celsius here, but I don't, so I'm going to keep with, Fahrenheit. <laughs> um, and it's the middle of the day, I think got up to about 60 degrees today. Nice. Um, uh, yeah, but it's been, it's been feeling cold. I'm also, it's strange cause it's, it never, it never gets to freezing here really. Or that's as, about as cold as it ever really gets is what I'm told. Um, but I'm cold all the time <laughs> because it gets so hot here in the summer that like so much of the city is built to keep things cool and keep air flowing. Okay. So that it like my apartment is always colder than it is outside. Interesting. Um, so I yeah I underpacked because I packed for warm weather and I'm I'm just been cold all the time. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Okay. Yeah, it's been kind of
0: like up and down all week here in New York. So we never know what's gonna happen. Look sunny today.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's getting dark earlier and earlier, but it's almost the end of that because like once we get to the winter solstice, it gets a little bit lighter, a little bit longer every day. Right,
1: December twenty first,
2: twenty second. Yeah, that's the the
1: shortest day of the year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope people are at least getting
0: some sleep with all this darkness.
1: (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: Mm. Who's like
1: not Not so much.
2: i went to go see the muppet christmas carol last night that was very fun
1: uh, nice. at someone's apartment or at a theater No,
2: at outdoor like syndicated in uh, brooklyn has an yes. a, has a sidewalk cinema so you oh, can nice. watch movies
1: that was my favorite i used to live by there i used to spend yeah and yeah. um uh, uh muppet christmas is That's a dare classic. i say one of one of the greatest productions a uh, muppet of productions yes. yeah yeah <laughs> dare I I, say. Like I,
2: I saw it with a friend of mine and she, like as we were watching it, she was like, isn't that the actual line? And I was like, yeah, cause I've heard people unironically say that it's the best adaptation of the Charles Dickens novella mm-hmm. is the Muppet mm-hmm. version. <laughs> and it's just so funny. Cause like Michael Caine is really dead ass serious. Like behave- yeah. like yeah. acting with all these puppets. <laughs> it's, like, so it's, it's just like, it must've been so much fun, but yeah, it was, it was nice getting in the spirit. Um, but safely outdoors, you know, mm-hmm. so if you're in Brooklyn, I encourage you to do that. It's a good time. You don't have to pay for the ticket. You just have to pay for whatever you're eating or drinking outside. And they've got heat lamps at syndicated at on Bogart Street.
0: Awesome. That's cool. Well, I might not go out there, but my step, my godson is coming over today. So I may have to just get into the spirit and watch the movie anyway.
2: Yeah, do it.
0: <laughs> I think he'll love it. So thanks for the suggestion. All right, so on the docket for today's episode, we will be discussing for local news, NYC passing legislation to let non-citizens vote in elections. Uh, For our national news story, we'll talk about the Torrance, California Police Department under fire for a racist text message. For world news, we will be discussing a silent strike in Myanmar, and we have some good news about NYC's use of oysters to fight against flooding. So we're going to go ahead and kick off today's episode
1: with our local news segment, Emily, you're up. Alrighty. Uh, this story comes from a December 9th New York Times article by Jeffrey C. Mays and Annie Corial, titled New York City Gives 800,000 Non-Citizens Right to Vote in Local Elections. The article explains, quote, New York City became the largest city in the country to allow non-citizens to vote in local elections after the city council on Thursday overwhelmingly improved legislation granting the right to more than 800,000 legal residents. The move places New York City at the forefront of the debate over voting rights, serving as a stark contrast to some states that have moved to add voting restrictions, including explicitly barring non-citizens from voting. The legislation was approved over the objections of Mayor Bill de Blasio, who questioned whether the city council has the power to grant voting rights to non-citizens. Legal experts expect that the bill could face a legal challenge. Uh, Non-citizens would be able to begin to register to vote a year from now. They could begin voting in local elections as of January 9th, 2023, according to the City Council. The legislation affects those with green cards or the right to work in the United States. It does not entitle them to vote in state or federal elections. Councilman Yudanis Rodriguez, the bill's primary sponsor, said the law will give more people who live in New York City and pay taxes there a say in how the city is run. People who are looking to get elected to office will now have to spend the same amount of time in the communities affected by this legislation as they do in upper class neighborhoods, Mr. Rodriguez said in an interview. Opponents of the bill say it will usurp power from citizens and will discourage legal residents from pursuing U.S. citizenship, uh, which I personally don't think (laughs) think is a bullshit thing. This is Emily commenting. Um, Anyway, quote, in Colorado, Florida, and Alabama, voters approved ballot measures last year that stipulated that only U.S. citizens can vote. North Dakota and Arizona already formally bar non-citizens from voting. Uh, Quote, Mr. Bill de Blasio has said he would not veto the bill. The bill automatically becomes law if it is not signed in 30 days. Uh, The mayor contended that non-citizen voting is a right that the state would have to grant, a position that many experts disagree with. Towns in Vermont and Maryland already allow non-citizens to vote in municipal elections. Non-citizens in San Francisco can vote in school board elections, and several municipalities in Illinois, Maine, and Massachusetts are also considering allowing non-citizen voting. Uh, Quote, non-citizens were allowed to vote in New York City school board elections until the boards were abolished in the early 2000s. Uh, there was an effort to stop the legislation from being approved Thursday when mark gonage G- a councilman from the bronx introduced a motion to send the bill back to committee mr gonage said he believed there should be a residency requirement of a year instead of the bill's 30-day requirement people with 30 days of residency are transient and not a permanent resident and not a contributor said mr gonage who noted that who no uh, I'm sorry who voted no on the bill Uh, According to the Mayor's Office of Immigrant Affairs, of the estimated 808,000 adult New Yorkers who are lawful permanent residents or green card holders or have work authorization, 130,000 are from the Dominican Republic and 117,500 are from China. Lori Cumbo, a councilwoman from Brooklyn, questioned whether the bill would dilute the voting power of African Americans. This particular legislation is going to shift the power dynamics in New York City in a major way," said Ms. Ms. Cumbo, who voted no. Tiffany Caban, uh, who an incoming councilwoman from Queens, said Ms. Combo's argument uh, called Ms. Cumbo's argument divisive. Expanding the right to vote for some folks does not in any way diminish or tarnish the right to vote for others," she said. The legislation was ultimately passed, 33 to 14, and to, uh, with two abstentions. Quote, under the legislation, the New York City Board of Elections, which has faced scrutiny about its handling of elections, uh, would issue a separate voter registration form and provide ballots for non-citizens that only include municipal offices. The Times interviewed Eva Santos, a participant in the DACA program, or Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, who said, quote, I think it's a big step towards showing other localities that we have the right to be represented and that we have contributed enough to be represented and have a voice. We are new yorkers like anyone else so yeah this uh was a really interesting story i mean i i think it's we've we've talked a bunch on the show but we see it happening all over country the country and the article notes it as well you know it's been a huge topic the movements in generally republican led states to you know make it harder to vote and then to see something like this which is uh like the feels like the inverse of that the opposite of that um is really interesting and, and feels pretty cool but and the article also brings up a bunch of I think interesting issues about the way people see it too around like race and immigration status and you know who how long do you have to live in a place before you get to to say you know how it's run what do y'all think
2: Um, I think the woman that you quoted, I, I don't remember her name, but the one that was saying uh, she's worried about this diluting the voting power of African Americans. Um, I think that that gets to the heart of a lot of what you see with um, objections to anything that's about expanding the right mm-hmm. to vote. Is It's about this anxiety about demographic shift and losing, um, a foothold. So, like, typically you see those arguments in places where, you know, you're suppressing the Black vote, like, by doing things like, you know, you can very easily lose your right to vote if you get convicted of some, like, low-level offense, and then, you know, forever and ever, like, you can't vote, or, um, making it really hard if you don't have certain types of ID to vote. Like, a lot of that is about, you know, trying to boost the numbers of, um, white people in certain states, even though they're not the overwhelming majority in those places. But you do see that same thinking among other groups as well, like where it's seen as like a competition. But, you know, ultimately, if if you live here, and I, I think the distinction is it's like uh, when you say non, not you, but like the general you, like when people say non-citizen, I think they're thinking of people who might be like undocumented Um, And things of that nature, but like you mentioned like these are people who are like they're working here they're paying taxes and things they're just not they haven't gone through the full process of becoming a citizen. But like why wouldn't they have a voice in what's going on in the city that they live in work in send their kids to school like that doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, I agree with what you're saying, um, definitely. Um, and I can see the conclusion you're drawing because anytime you put kind of stipulations around voting, whether you're enabling people or you're stopping them, so there is always a group of people whose vote um, vote voting power shifts. Um, I think ultimately this could be a good thing. There are models of this happening in other places in the country, which you did mention in the article. Um, I do think there needs to be a little more clear distinction about, you know, the very, like what it actually, is there a time frame or maybe I missed that of when people can actually qualify. But I definitely think that they do have a right to vote in local elections because they're participating in in local economy and community. So ultimately what affects them and many of them for many years, because they simply can't either afford to go through the process of, you know, gaining citizenship. They are in the process for way too long because of lots of other factors that uh, influence that. Or they simply don't even try because they feel that is overwhelming and there are parts that they don't understand or they don't have the help or assistance they need to go through the process. So this is a great way to, I feel, if voting is to do what it's supposed to do, which is elect people who will advocate for the people of the city in the most possible way, in the positive way. You know, I hope that's what we can still consider it to be. I know that's varies depending on where you are. It could mean more representation, more feedback from people who are ultimately affected by local politics and, and um, whatever happens in the city specifically. I know in New York, I feel like this is long overdue. I mean, this is a city built on its diversity and definitely can afford to hear some feedback and the, the thoughts and rights and considerations of the people that live here.
1: Yeah. And uh, Reese, so to answer your question, I think it it was briefly mentioned, but that was one of the uh, reps actually voted no because the bill would only require someone to have been a resident for 30 days. And I think that is actually a really interesting thing. Like the the guy who voted, yeah, the guy who voted no said it should be at least a year. Um, I I agree with that. Is that weird? I think it's, no, I don't think it's weird. I I, I think I know, I think that you're not even considered a tax resident unless you're in the city for more than 180 something days like six months of the year so it is interest, like you know like that is interesting to me that you could potentially like not be in the city long enough to even have to pay taxes I, I don't I'm not a tax expert so don't hold me to that but um
2: yeah. who is Jesus? <laughs> right. even there you can't
0: afford that shit so maybe I shouldn't yeah be.
2: yeah, yeah. If um, you are, let us know. I need to know. <laughs> like,
0: the taxes are too yeah. damn high. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's outrageous. They're,
1: they're complicated on purpose, also. That's like a whole thing where, like, they could be a lot simpler, but whatever. Right. Anyway, people make money off of you not understanding your taxes. Anyway, uh,
0: my but soapbox. Like, but I'll, I'll second though. Actually, I don't think people should be penalized because from mm-hmm. the right to vote because they haven't been here for a full year. But, right. you know, so, it it does feel like there needs to be some sort of variation so that they have had a chance to contribute.
1: Right. Or it's like, you know, if, if they can vote and then they leave – I don't know. They they haven't even been here long enough. And again, these are all like more philosophical questions. Like, are you here even long enough to understand how things work if you're only here for 30 days, right? If you're here for 30 days, but let's say you vote and then you end up actually leaving after the next 30 days, you were only here for two months, but your vote weighed the same amount as someone who's lived here for 30 years. Right. Like that's, it's a philosophical question, you know, like I, it's not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. It's just interesting. And then on Jasmine, I think you're, you're a hundred percent right. What you were saying about, um, you know, it's this, like that, that same argument that a lot of, or like, it's this tacit argument, right? Like they don't explicitly say, well, we, we, we are going to try and make it as hard as possible for black people to vote because then, you know, the white people will lose power but um, essentially like you either believe in everyone's right to vote or you don't. Right. It shouldn't matter what, like what race they are. It shouldn't matter. um, Any of those things, income level, land ownership status, like gender, like either you believe that everyone has a say or you don't.
2: Yeah. And that that particular thing that she said, um, I don't know. Sometimes uh, people will say African-American when they mean black. Yeah. Which is, mm-hmm. and black is a much more inclusive category. You know, like there's people who are to the point where like they'll say Naomi Campbell is African American because they're just so trained mm-hmm. to use that word. So I don't know if the person you mentioned in the article, if she was doing that or if she mm-hmm. specifically meant it's going to dilute the voting power of people like me, like whose ethnicity is African American. But I would say it's it's like erasure of like there's a lot of black immigrants, you know, like it's not immigration is not a non-black only issue. Like I think you mentioned Dominicans. A lot of them are black people, you know, mm-hmm. so.
1: Yeah. No. And part that's part of
2: the black vote, too.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. I actually so I actually as I was reading that, like noted that in my head as well. So it's that was in The Times article, like it's not um within a direct quote, the use of African-Americans. Um, so it's, it's hard for me to know whether the author used that phrase or whether they were paraphrasing, um, her name's Lori Combo. Um, but that I think is a really, is a really important point, Jasmine.
0: Yeah, it definitely, um, I agree, um, is more inclusive depending on who you're talking about, but I also agree with what you said, Emily, everybody should have a right. It's either all or none. You know, and on, honestly, all you need to have is common sense to know. Yeah,
1: hopefully not none, because that's. <laughs> I mean, right.
0: I'm just saying, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Um, but hopefully, you is. I think it's more about people who want to actively participate in voting and understand what it's about. Because some people with the right don't want to participate for various reasons. If people want to participate, I think they should be allowed to do so, and there shouldn't be so much red tape on what that means. So maybe just clarifying a little bit about how long the residency should be, but.
2: Other than that, I mean, why not? I agree with that. Because, like, a lot of these people, they'll always shout about, like, no taxation without representation, blah, blah. And, like, this is what this country is about. But then they'll be against this type of thing, which is exactly about, like, well, these people live here and they're paying taxes. Why shouldn't they be reflected in who represents what's going on? You know, so...
0: Absolutely, I agree
2: with Reese. Yeah, it's like I do think thirty days is a little long because, like, what if people? This might sound weird, but like, what if like you have people that are like, "I'm gonna come flood New York, that blue city, and vote yeah, exactly, for all the yeah, yeah, people exactly you know, that I'm gonna leave, you yeah, know, exactly, yep, like, yep. So yep. you know, let's uh, that's a little uh, like, hmm, I and don't obviously know about thirty yep. days, right? And obviously, people, that, yeah.
0: you know, with higher income can do that as opposed to people who don't, you know exactly
2: like you see a lot of coordinated like bullshit happening with local elections and stuff around the country and i would Mm -hmm. not put it past these people to do some shit like that like to find a loophole like that and exploit the hell out of it exactly yeah and you
0: know know. they will they just looking for any any clause you know so wow great story thank you so much emily for that and uh, what do you guys think why don't you comment somewhere on our facebook maybe we'll post this up and see what you guys think as new yorkers it'd be interesting to hear some feedback on this topic all right so we're going to go ahead and hit our first music break for the day we have a nice jazz track to kick it off it's called dribble and it's by anomaly we'll be right back
2: You can follow our social media accounts. We have an Instagram account and we also have a Facebook account. Our Facebook page can be found at facebook.com forward slash objection radio free BK. No spaces, no punctuation. Our Instagram account is at objection to the rule. Again, no spaces, no punctuation marks. Thanks, and here's Teresa.
0: Welcome back to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. And for the national news segment today, this story comes from an article on CNN, the title of the CNN.com. The title of the article is Authorities in California Dismissed 90 Cases So Far Due to the Involvement of Torrance Officers Under Investigation for Racist texts." The author of the article is Alexandra Meeks and Natasha Shin, and also Stephanie Becker. Following allegations of excessive force, racist text message, and other misconduct, the Torrance Police Department in California faces an independent review from the state's Department of Justice Attorney General, Bob Bonta, said Wednesday, on Wednesday. More than 1,800 cases spanning over a decade in Los Angeles County are now under review due to more than a dozen Torrance Police Department officers who worked the cases having been placed under investigation for racist, anti-Semitic, and homophobic messages, according to the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office. Greg Rissling, the Assistant Chief of Media Relations for District Attorney George Gaskin, wrote to CNN that, to date, approximately 40 felony cases have been dismissed. Riesling wrote that the cases under review include juvenile cases. He said the office is prioritizing pending cases as well as post-conviction cases where people remain in custody. Riesling added that prosecutors are reviewing criminal allegations of unreasonable force by these officers, which have been presented to their offices. At the city level, the Torrance City Attorney also dismissed 50 misdemeanor cases, according to Sergeant Mark Pongalik, Pongalik sorry if I mispronounced that, public information officer for the Torrance Police Department. Um, he told CNN 15 police officers are currently on paid administrative leave. Some were put on leave as early as August, and more officers put on leave later as more information became available through the opening investigation. The independent review comes after an investigation by the Los Angeles Times revealed that revealed a history of discriminatory text messages reportedly sent between what it says were at least a dozen current and former Torrance police officers and recruits, including a photo of a black man being lynched with the caption, hanging with the homies. Another text message conversation included a photo asking what someone should do if their girlfriend was having an affair with a black man, the newspaper reported according to the officer's caption the answer was to break a tail light so his car so on his car so that police will stop him and shoot him this is awful the la times report also references referencing records from the los angeles county district attorney's office that said the tpd officers made offensive jokes about jewish people and threatened to assault members of the lgbtq community The LA Times reported that its investigation of use of force records and other court filings also revealed the same Torrance police officers who allegedly sent racist text messages were involved in at least seven use of force incidents since 2013. It reported that documents show three of those incidents resulted in the deaths of Black and Latino men, sparking an outcry and numerous community calls to re-examine those cases. The state independent investigation will help identify and correct potential systemic failures in the department's police practices and policies and is an effort to rebuild trust between the public and the Torrent Police Department, Bonta said, adding that communities deserve equal justice. Police departments on the front lines of a fight every day as they work to protect people in our state, Bonta said in the statement. However, where there is evidence of potential potentially pervasive bias or discrimination, it can, undermine the trust of the critical, it can undermine the trust that is critical for public safety in the justice system. The California Department of Justice is working closely with the police chief of the Torrance community who asks that the attorney general get involved. While no TPD officers currently face criminal charges for the racist text messages, prosecutors said they will continue to investigate previous and ongoing cases the officers have been involved with in Los Angeles. Um, And that's what they told the LA Times. Torrance is a city of around 143,000 people in the Los Angeles metropolitan area. CNN has reached out to Hart for additional comments and and is attempting to reach out to the Torrance police officers named in this report. So that's the story uh, from CNN. And this is definitely, I mean, it's not so surprising, but it is revealing and showing, I think, the beginning of some sort of different approach to addressing systemic racism. I don't know within the police department now how far this goes or, you know, where they take this is still up in question. But the fact that 90 cases are being dismissed as a result of this information, I think that's good news.
1: Um, I like audibly gasped when you were reading about what some of those text messages were. I was just on mute. But like, right crazy that's awful yeah it was hard to read it was hard to read as well yeah and um I, I don't know if it says if it speaks to how much these police police officers thought that they were infallible you know like they thought that they could never get in trouble for this type of behavior or they're just like stupid enough but they like to put that put stuff like that in writing is like is like a level of like I don't know. Like you really, you really don't understand or you're really like that dumb. You know what I mean? Um,
0: yeah. Or you really yeah.
1: don't care. Or you really you don't really care. Don't and you, care. Really, you really don't think anyone who's ever going to see these will care. Yeah. All of that. Um, yeah. And I, I, yeah, yeah. It was intense. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's, it just confirms a lot of what I already think about a lot of people who go into that line of work, that it is a pervasive problem. And I know out in that part of the country, I mean, and I'm sure it's true in other places, like, it's been revealed that there's, like, California units of police officers that are in, like, literal gangs, like, where they beat up people or attack people, like, to get points with each other and shit like that. Um it's just it's it's just so disturbing to me that it's good that those 90 cases were dismissed but you just think back like how many people are in a jail cell right now behind actions of these types of people that aren't going to be able to get out um and you know whatever you see that's being expressed explicitly in hateful text messages, that's only the tip of the iceberg because for every person that will put stuff like that in text, how many of them do are, mm. you know, quote unquote, smart enough to be like, they wouldn't text that, but right. they say that to people, yeah. they think that way, you know, yeah. so it's, yep. it's it's only a small portion of the problem because this is like the super extreme cases of people that, uh, you know, will make stuff like that yeah. known.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is an investigation that's been going on by the LA Times. And, you know, we hear about different forms of um, conduct being subjected to review when they talk about, um, you know, trying to work with the police department and all this other stuff. But we really don't hear about the findings. You know, it's always this plan. It's always this plan to... You know, hold these officers accountable and look back over the records and make them public records and all these different shits. That's like, yeah, we're doing it. But to actually do a trace of people who have a history of excessive force and find this racist text message and all these other connections with these specific officers, this is what it really looks like. You know, and I know nobody wants to do this dirty work or, you know, there's so many protections of different police departments of various reasons. But the reality is, You know, you follow the string, you'll find the fucking mouse like it's not even that hard to do that. And I just think that this is just the beginning of something. But why is this not being done all over the country, Uh, especially in those those different cities that kind of led all of the, the drama last year and has continuously had reports of police brutality like this should be old news. This should be what's happening every time. And we should be able to see some of the repercussions of these people. I mean, them being dismissed and being paid. I don't even think that's enough, quite honestly. I know the investigation is still going on, but come on, like, seriously, this is, this is right in our faces. And this just seems like it should be going on all over the country. That's all I'm saying. You said the LA times led the
1: investigation. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I mean, to your point, it should be happening, but I, like, in an ideal society, we would have, you know, professional respected journalism happening everywhere, but there, it really has, there's been some of it's been concerted effort. Some of it, you know, the dying of local media, but there's been yeah. a, lo- yep. you know, a lot of places don't have, um, local reporters that are, or if they do, they are people that are working for like conglomerates that like are, you know, owned by God knows who, right? Like it is an issue for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, I personally, like, I don't know, it's like if you were to have something like this nationwide and like everyone who, you know, was found to have made these types of comments that was on a police force were to be fired, like you would see a dramatic drop in the number of people like working on police forces, I'm convinced. Like, I'm not saying it would be like everybody, but it's these types of things, like they're so pervasive and can be so ingrained in the in the workplace culture like there was that black officer um not very long ago and i don't remember what state it is i would i have to look it up but you know they thought it was funny to put like a noose on his desk or something and he had it on tape you know and this is somebody that's another officer and this is being done to him as some kind of a sick joke you know it's like a, this the whole system is just so corrupt in so many ways where like i'm not sure how much reforming it is gonna help like of course i do hope that things get better but it's just very difficult to be optimistic because there's so much resistance even to small things like changing within police departments where they're like no it's like we're gonna in protest we're not gonna do this like what, because you want us to wear masks we're gonna do that da, 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 da. and it's like if they don't want to comply with like the least of things that are slight changes that could make stuff a little bit better i'm not really that convinced that you know they would be willing to go forward with like actual cultural shifts and being super serious about addressing this racism issue like it's it's just bad that's all i got it's real bad and very scary when you're on the other end of an interaction with someone like that
0: Exactly. And, you know, it's it's not like I said in the beginning, it's not surprising that these uh, this information is revealed and these officers have this, um, you know, belief that they're invincible and that they can do anything. But I just, you know, shout out to L.A. Times and local reporters who are really holding um, space for these dialogues and these investigations, putting energy and time into putting some pressure behind these departments, because this is really, you know, the work that needs to be done. And I don't know how far it's going to go. But at least within this community, these, you know, these 12 officers, I hope will be made an example of and the investigation will keep going because I'm sure they're not the only right. ones. I'm sure it's, you know, a wave of them that can be discovered. But, yeah, yeah. I j- thought it was an important story for us to hear because we never really get to hear what happens on the other side of reform, if it actually works or what are the outcomes. It's normally nothing and more drama. But um, for today, um, yeah, we got a little something different
2: yeah and like I definitely second what Emily was saying about local news it's really such a sad thing
1: mm-hmm. because that
2: shit is so important you know like whether it's like something happening in the local environment where kids are getting sick because you know some company isn't doing what they're supposed to do or there might be a particular officer that has a reputation for harassing people in the neighborhood and it's like you really see it with how everyone's just watching like CNN or Fox News, or like some major thing, but you should know and be a- be able to go to a source that you trust, that's right. local, and that you feel like you have a place to go if you have something to say, like you have a place you can go and be heard and be taken seriously and have it be reported professionally. And it's really a, it's a sin and a shame that that's dying out the way it is. It's, it doesn't bode well, but... You know, hopefully it can be revived.
0: That's right. So all you local journalists or you know activists who are doing your work, you know, don't give up the good fight. Thank you for the work that you do. And um, yeah, let's do a better job at checking in into our own communities. All right, y'all. It's time for another music break. This next track is called Black Woman, and it's by Farumada Diawari and Miss Lauren Hill. We'll be right back.
3: Time. woman, cry when give us life, and she begging forgive us the sin and then sinners all
2: time. Whoa, whoa.
3: Chain, I survive all the same So them I go make war before we free What then I go make war before we free So them I go make war before we free What then I go make war before we free Tie my neck, ship it don't work Find me two, three, I survive the we see With the cracks, come me come back Soon we go see who survive, me by free So them I go make war before yeah. we free
0: Follow, follow. People they know they follow. People they know they copy. People all up in my grotto. They see me like a genie, try to keep me in a bottle. Petty, petty people keep them Radio in. Radio
1: Free Brooklyn's condo. mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air and allows us to continue our work in the community. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax deductible. Please support with a monthly pledge or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org donate. Welcome back to Objection to the
0: Rule, your Sunday afternoon news hour on Radio Free Brooklyn. And now we're up for our world news segment. Jasmine, take it away.
2: Um, So before I get into the more recent story, I'm going to give some background first. So the actual news story is about a silent strike in Myanmar. Um, But this is just some background from a website called uh, refugees.org. It's run by the U.S. Committee for Refugees and Immigrants. And it's about the crisis in Myanmar uh, for those who aren't familiar. So You can go to that website and read the whole thing. These are just some bullet points. Uh, So Myanmar is a country in Southwest Asia. There are over 130 religious and ethnic groups within the country. Between 1824 and 1886, the British conquered um, what they called Burma. Uh, So Myanmar and Burma are the same place, but uh, there's differences of opinion on what to call the country. Uh, And the British incorporated it into India. In 1948, Burma became independent as a parliamentary democracy, but there was a military coup in 1962, and the country was under military rule for decades after that. Um, It also began, the military government began cracking down on ethnic minorities, like, for example, the Rohingya Muslims, who were labeled as belonging in Bangladesh, but not truly being um, citizens of Myanmar. In 1982, a law barred Rohingya Muslims from being full citizens. Um, Aung San Suu Kyi, so A-U-N-G-S-A-N-S-U-U-K-Y-I. She rose to prominence during 1988 protests against the military government. And uh, she helped to form the main opposition party, which is called the National League for Democracy. She was then detained under house arrest by the military for most of the next 20 years before being released in 2010. In 2011, Myanmar's military, which is called the Tatmadaw, officially handed power over to a hybrid civilian military union government, but it was very, like, lopsided. Like, the power was still very much with the military. Um... Parliamentary elections in 2015 resulted in a victory for the National League for Democracy, so that's the opposition party. Uh, the new legislator, legislature created a position called state counselor, which allowed Suu Kyi, uh, the person I mentioned earlier, a formal role in the government, and she was the de facto head of state. During the elections in November 2020, her uh, National League for Democracy Party won more than 80% of the contested seats in the country's union parliament. The pro-military union solidarity and development party won fewer seats than it had in the 2015 elections. And that brings us to a few months later as a result, in February of 2021, the Tatmadaw, the military government, carried out a coup against the government, and they detained civilian leaders, including Suu Kyi, naming replacement ministers, in instituting a curfew, and declaring a one-year state of emergency. Uh, and pro-democracy protests in different cities were immediately met with force by security personnel military leaders defended their actions citing accusations of voting irregularities during the election that observers have largely rejected. So um that's just some background on Myanmar cuz I know a lot of people listening might not know. And now this is from the AP News, a nationwide silent strike in Myanmar protests military rule by Grant Peck um in Bangkok Opponents of military rule in Myanmar on Friday held one of their biggest nationally coordinated protests in months, successfully calling on people across the country to shut their businesses and stay at home on International Human Rights Day. The silent strike was staged in cities and towns from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m and came at a time of increasing violence in the political crisis triggered by the army seizure of power in February and ouster of the elected government of Aung San Suu Kyi. On Tuesday, there was a widely reported massacre in the country's Northwestern Saigyang region in which soldiers were accused of rounding up and killing 11 civilians. And uh, as an aside, that included some uh, young children whose charred bodies were later discovered by fellow villagers. The military-installed government has denied its soldiers were involved, but it is staging an offensive in northwestern Myanmar against persistent resistance from anti-military militias. In Yangon, the country's largest city and elsewhere, photos on social media showed normally busy streets empty of traffic on Friday. Usually crowded markets and plazas were quiet hours before were quiet. let me read that again. Usually crowded markets and plazas were quiet, hours before the official start of the strike, which reaffirmed the widespread opposition to the Army's rule and its disregard for human rights. Min Han Hitet, co-founder and spokesperson of the Alliance of Student Unions Yangon, said the strike by itself might not make a significant difference, but by showing their unity, the strike is a success for the people who are waging psychological warfare against the military dictatorship. Solidarity appeared strong among operators of even the smallest shops in Yangon, but at least a few apparently paid a price for their defiance. As, post, as photos posted on social media showed fittings such as tables and chairs confiscated by security forces from some. Since Thursday, authorities had announced in some neighborhoods that action would be taken against shops which close without an acceptable region. A shopkeeper from the market in Mews in Northern Shan State said the official township development committee threatened over a loudspeaker on Friday morning that it would take action against closed shops. They announced in the town that they would shut down our shops for a month if we went ahead and closed the shops and markets without any reason. But we don't care. It is time to show our unity, said the vendor, who asked to remain anonymous for fear of retribution from the authorities. Protesters wearing black attire, as suggested by strike organizers, marched silently in Shweibo and Saigon region. People at home, also dressed in black, posted selfies showing them holding small handmade posters. We own our town, our city, our rules. Staying silent or active is our choice. Never be allowed to rule was written on one. Take back our human rights by revolution, read another. Um, so I'm going to end there in the interest of time, but you can read more on AP News, um, silent strike in Myanmar against military rule.
0: That's really interesting. Um, so I'm just going to go out there and ask, do you guys think that this is an effective form of protest?
1: It's, that's interesting that you asked that question because I, what it was bringing to mind for me was how, like, you know, there are, throughout the history of the world and across the world today, like there are forces that seem like unstoppable, right? There's, um, governments that have a really like lockdown (laughs) on their populations, like, you know, um, but how important it is to still resist those things, like in, in the interest of a better world and, you know, Freedoms of individuals, um, yeah. I mean, I think it there it's a fluctuating thing across time and history. But you know, the USSR fell. <laughs> you know, th- things can change, and people and what th- what those forces want you to think is that they're unstoppable, right? Like they they want to mm-hmm. show, of, and if you, they have you convinced, then they won, right? Um, yeah. And it's true. It's true with like forces and it's true with ideas, right? Like, you know, oh, we'll never live in a world in a, in a world that's not horribly racist. And if you believe that and you stop fighting for a better world, then all the racist people have won, you know?
0: Yeah, I think the commentary around this is very similar to um, what we've seen with Dr. King's nonviolent approach to civil rights. I mean, definitely not the same. At all. I'm not trying to make a apples to oranges or apples to apples comparison, but the concept that protest exists and not just the traditional forms that we're used to seeing, which arguably cause a lot of violence to people on both sides. Um, these more, uh, I was going to say, integrated forms of protest, right? Because this is not just protesting in the streets. This is ideology. This is um, support. This is also. And understanding, it's, it's a, a building of a, it's a building up of the mind and integrity, right? So I mean, I think of these things that we do in silence and in um, solidarity with people. And in some ways, really really stronger for the people who are doing it. Now, as far as its effectiveness, you know, it's a, it's a slow rise to change in all aspects. Whether you are fighting on the streets or you're fighting in your mind, you know, things do take time but i do feel that it this type of protest is somewhat more helpful to some people who simply don't agree with being in the streets or just simply can't do it for other reasons
2: um what i'll say is i think that it takes all different types of resistance to be effective like there's not just exactly. one way to do it yeah um so like i don't ever want to discount um the importance of and sometimes the effectiveness of like when people do say like I'm going to take up arms against it because there are people right now in Myanmar that are trying to do like local patrols like of their neighborhoods because the army is coming around like attacking them I don't think that you know they're wrong for doing that or that you know they're not being effective like that's a part of resisting them and then the other side of it is like you do have people that they're not able. They don't want to, but they can still be on the side of resisting in their own way. Like they can find a way to participate. Um, And I think that, you know, every movement that you think of, they didn't just have one tactic because you have many different types of people with different, you know, they might have different concepts of like what they think is ethical or not. But at the end of the day, like they want the same result. And so they have to just find like their way to fit into the resistance that matches like what they're capable of doing and what they're willing to do. And if you know that you have a lot more power together that way, I think than if you try to convince everyone that you know if you're not pro- protesting in this specific way, then it's wrong or it's not effective. Um, but I, I was gonna do the story about the massacre, which when i read about it it was very you know it was really sad it was very disturbing but you know i do think that it's heartening to see that even in the face of something like that that's so ugly people are still like i'm going to speak up and do something you know cuz they could very easily have been intimidated by that and said like i'm not going to close my shop cuz i'm scared but um i'm sorry i'm getting sad <laughs>
0: No, it's okay. I mean, it's it's an emotional topic. I understand where you're coming from. Resistance of any kind takes a lot of courage, you know, whether that is in solidarity with others that you may never ever see, um because you simply have no other choice for your own mental well-being or because we have to make change happen. And you know, I I just know that there's so many people in life who once was in the streets and now they have to do it, you know, with their checkbooks, with how they um, the people they support the, the stuff they listen to How they share information What they rally behind Like there's so many different ways to resist And we really have to use all of them Because these forces out here y'all No matter where they are in this world They're quite destructive So we're going to take a breath And say thank you Jasmine for that And in solidarity with the people in this community um, Definitely something to think about How we can show up for one another Alright So Emily, what's
1: the good news? Alrighty. So, uh, I want to shout out, well, I want to shout out the future earth Instagram account, which I've, I've referenced before on the show, but, um, every Tuesday they put out a good news roundup of, uh, specifically like environmental and good news related to climate change. Um, and I occasionally, I get some of my good news stories from there. And I also want to highlight too, that along with what we were just talking about, like one of those things that feels like an unstoppable force all the time is climate change these days. Right. But then if we all give up trying to save what we still have, um, then the bad people win. So, you know, don't don't get convinced that you can't – that there's nothing to do related to all that. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, this story I got originally from that Future Earth Instagram account roundup of good news. Um, it, it's I would say it's it's, like, good news-ish mixed with more, like, weird, interesting news, which I love to do occasionally – um, it's from a November 19th Bloomberg article by Julia Hotz titled, New York City is building a wall of oysters to fend off floods. Thousands of acres of undersea reefs once protected the city's shoreline. Now an army of volunteers is bringing the bivalves back one shell at a time. The article explains, quote, a row of plastic bins sits on in a gravel lot next to Brooklyn's Domino Park promenade. Each holds small pieces of New York City's more climate-proof future. They're full of oyster shells, leftovers collected from the plates of patrons at more than 45 New York restaurants. Every week, a truck drops the shells at a greenpoint processing site. Any ordinary oyster eater can drop off shells too. Uh, Then the discards, 1.8 million pounds of them to date, are cleaned, cured in the sun, and set with microscopic larvae. Redeployed in bags all around the city's waters, the recycled shells serve as a home for baby oysters to grow on, ultimately building a reef that can soften the blow of big waves, ease erosion, and help prevent coastal flooding from rising seas. That's one of the many hypotheses of the Billion Oyster Project. Founded in 2014 by the Urban Assembly New York Harbor School on Governor's Island, The nonprofit partners with local restaurants, schools, and volunteers who aim to establish an army of oysters in New York Harbor by 2035. Beyond the biodiversity and environmental gains that come with reintroducing a once abundant native species, the group's vision of restoring the oyster population is also a bid to protect New York from a growing threat. A few months ago, Hurricane Ida inundated roadways, subways, and basement apartments in low-lying parts of the city, sharpening the urgency of improving New York's fragile hurricane infrastructure. So can the humble oysters really save New York City from flooding? Uh, no, they can't, says Pete Melanaski, the founder of the project and an, an aquaculture teacher at the Harbor School. But they're a critical part of the many different interventions that need to happen. Oyster reefs once composed more than 220,000 acres, uh, or 89,000 hectares, of New York's coastline. Uh, the, those massive undersea structures played a significant role in the natural flood mitigation system. But the rise of commercial oyst- of the commercial oyster industry led to widespread widespread overharvesting, with oystermen dredging up more than a billion bivalves a year at the turn of the 20th century. From oyster cellars and street stands, New New Yorkers shucked and devoured tons of the creatures. Their shells were heaped into vast middens and ground into fill to build the growing metropolis. The New York oyster boom didn't last. Industrial pollution and the hardening of the shoreline made the city increasingly inhospitable for marine life of all kinds. And its last oyster beds were closed in the 1920s. Quote, Malinowski is candid about how hard fully rebuilding the harbor's natural oyster reef system would be. Getting back to that point will take a lot more than a billion oysters, and it will also take hundreds of years for reefs to grow to that size, he says. Human engineering can give the creatures a big helping hand. The most promising bet in the direction of meaningful flood prevention is the Living Breakwaters Project, a mammoth reef... <clears throat> I'm sorry, a mammoth, a mammoth reef being installed off Staten Island's south shore on which oysters can breed in ever-tightening concentrations in higher numbers. The $60 million project devised by landscape architect Kate Orff more than a decade ago and launched by the Governor's Office of Storm Recovery in the wake of Superstorm Sandy uses an approach that Orff has dubbed oyster texture. Partially submerged mounds of rubble mingle with shell structures implanted with living larvae. Over time, the reef will grow and act like a buffer to reduce the intensity of waves before they hit the shoreline, slowing the rate of coastal erosion. So yeah, that's just a cool, interesting story about people using, you know, not like the nature around us to help us save ourselves. Um, I love this sort of stuff. I studied a bunch of this in, in college. Um, and I also, yeah, again, like multiple connections to what we were just talking about with Jasmine's world story, including, you know, like this alone isn't gonna save us, but it's one of like the many, 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 many things we need to do to help build a better future.
0: Absolutely. One oyster at a time. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for that. We definitely needed some good news today. And thank you to all of you for listening to this week's episode of Objection to the Rule. You can catch all of our older episodes on RadioFreeBrooklyn.org, on Spotify, or on the Radio Free Brooklyn app. Um, Please stay listening up for more independent Brooklyn media. We're going to play you out with our final track of the day. It's a new one from the incomparable Mary J. Blige and it features DJ Collett and it's called Amazing. Happy Sunday. See you next week.
2: See you next week, everybody. Well, you'll hear us next week. We keep saying we'll see (laughs) you, but you know know what we mean.
0: Exactly.
2: Till next (laughs) week. Bye.
3: Real. money and a doggy bag i ain't missing no bills don't move on me wrong i need to save my energy everybody family leave it to the industry heard yeah. a noise we talking that we- I I too much'
2: If you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer please download our free mobile app for iPhone and Android available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Also, please be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about new programming and upcoming Radio Free Brooklyn events. You can sign up at radiofreebrooklyn.org forward slash newsletter.